dare great things for Christ. Christ calls us to dare great things. In the marketplace, as well as in the mission field, there has never been a time like the present for the spirit of the Catholic entrepreneur. Now is the time for men and women of great courage and great vision to engage our church and our culture. Now is the time to dare great things. And here is your host as we dare great things, Father Nathan Cromley, the president and founder of the St. John Institute. Applying our Catholic faith to the demands of leadership today is a challenging and sometimes harrowing experience. We look around to see if someone has done it before, where our models could be found. And when we look for models, we need look no further than the Virgin Mary to find the very best of them all. This could be surprising. What does Mary have to do with our modern situation? Our new 12-part series will try to answer just that very question. And so we begin by looking at the Virgin Mary as the inspiring figure that she is. So I want to begin with something a little bit different with you guys today. I want to begin a series here where we try to understand how the Virgin Mary, the, the Mary of the Bible, the mother of Jesus, right, was actually an example of leadership for that we can base our modern contemporary leadership in business on. I mean, business and the family and in culture, everywhere that I need to exert an influence and to exert the influence of Christ in the world that I want to do that. I, I, I actually think when I look at, at the biblical figures and at historical figures, I can't think of a more eloquent or powerful person to look at for this than the Virgin Mary herself. So obviously Jesus is the king of kings. He's the model and the source of all leadership. And yet what looking at the life of Mary offers us is the opportunity to see how somebody followed Jesus in the world and was the conduit for his grace and his influence through their actions so as to influence the world in his name. I mean, it's one thing to be Jesus and it's another thing to be a Christian. And when Mary was following Jesus, and as she followed Jesus, she lived the life that you and I have to live. She had to confront other people who didn't believe in Jesus and who would actually put Jesus down. Actually, some of those other people were in her own family. We're going to look at that biblically, of course. I mean, what do you do when people don't believe you? And not just when they don't believe Jesus, but when they question your lifestyle, right? And the decisions that you make uh, because of your faith in Christ. What do you, what, how do you respond to that? How do you stay relevant and effective in your role in society, in your role in your family, in your role in your business, right? When in fact, the world around you takes, uh, doesn't understand the source of life that is within you. Well, that's of course all things that Mary herself had to go through. When, when, when she followed Jesus and allowed his life to take a hold of hers, she became not only a model for the way that he influences the world, but she also became a model for the way that you and I will have to influence our world. Because on the one hand, she was able to be more attached to Jesus. She had to be more attached to Jesus. On the other hand, she had to be therefore more at odds, or at least the subject or object of question for the people around her. And that's exactly the, tra the pathway 
that you and I are called to trod as Christian leaders. And so we need to begin, of course, by just, you know, really emphasizing the, the lordship of, the, of Jesus Christ. I mean, he, he is God and Mary is not. He is the Lord and Mary is his disciple, right? Just like us. I don't have a problem with that at all. The Catholic Church certainly doesn't have a problem with that at all. That's what we constantly proclaim. And, and then why would we look at Mary? Well, why would you look at anybody is my response to that, right? It's funny because people will have no problem at all talking about their wonderful pastor or their wonderful preacher that they love to listen to. And yet they'll question all the time the insistence that we have of studying and looking at the life of Mary as a Catholic. And, and I think that it's fine to look at other preachers. And it's a, it's a fine thing to look at any disciple of Christ because all the disciples of Christ mirror for us they, they capture something in themselves of the greatness of Jesus. And so since we love Jesus, we look for him everywhere we can find him. And we find him through our preacher. We find him through our minister. Some people find Jesus in the beauty of the mountains. They find him in the smell of flowers. They find him in the, the gorgeous, you know, scores of music that are composed in his honor. All these created things hearken back to the power of the creator. I mean, we have whole hymns talking about, you know, when I look out from, from lofty mountains grandeur and, and, and hear the birds sing sweetly in the trees, I, then sings my soul how great thou art. Well, I mean, if you're going to look out from a mountain, you know, grandeur and hear the birds sing sweetly in the trees and be inspired to love God, could you imagine if you were to look into the depths of the soul of the virgin mother of God that he created to be this place that he wanted to dwell physically for nine months, this woman from whom he wanted to draw his own blood that he would then shed for sinners, he took from her body, you know, I mean, when he was in the womb. I mean, wouldn't it, could you not imagine that marvelous creature, creature and that marvelous creation who is the Virgin Mary and how awe-inspiring that would be to talk about the grace, the power, the mercy of God? Well, of course it would be. And that's exactly what the Catholic Church proposes to do. And of course, many other Christians follow in our footsteps. Uh, be, being able to peer into the soul of any Christian already speaks to us of the power and majesty of the Redeemer. Being able to peer into the soul of the Christian who was the closest to Jesus and the holiest member of the church would only serve to show us the ultimate power and the greatest act of mercy that's in the heart of Jesus. I mean, there's nothing that Mary, in no way can Mary take us away from Christ when everything that makes her great comes from Christ. The only reason she's great is because of him. Well, then why look at her at all? Because it can help us to see the depth, to realize the power by seeing the effects that Jesus works from his mercy and from his redemption in the soul of someone else. And this is, this is just exemplified throughout. It's this human experience. We look at created things to glimpse the, the power of the uncreated eternal God. And so we want to look at Mary's soul in a particular way, we who are burdened and charged with the responsibility of leadership, to see how did she lead? I mean, did she lead? And in what way did she lead? And what can she show us about leading in the footsteps of Christ? Because as a, as a Christian, we have this really unique position. We are leading the world by following Jesus. So he's really leading the world 
but then he's leading the world through us. And, and, and how do we lead the world? By following him. So you're, it's like this middle kind of position. We're not just leading. We're actually looking to conform our lives more and more to him, to let his paschal mystery deploy itself and form the inner powers of who we are. Yeah, you know, to be formed by Christ, to, that, that means that to be poured into the mold, so to speak, that is Jesus Christ. Well, that, that means he's everything to us and we're conforming ourselves to him. And the more that we do that, well, the more that we become nonconformist with respect to the world. And the more that we stand out from the world and the more that we impact the world as something entirely new. So you have this really unique position. We're not the king. We're the king's servants. But being the king's servants, we rule the world, right, in his name. Well, that's quite a thing to contemplate, right? And that's exactly the same place Mary was in. That's why looking at her life is so helpful to us. Because she was completely conformed to him. I mean, she was his mother, so therefore servant number one of Jesus's success. Like she was all about him and him being glorified and him fulfilling his mission. And that made her absolutely unique, stand out alone in the solitude of leadership with respect to the church that would have to follow in her footsteps and respect to the world that she was trying to help Jesus to claim. So for this reason, looking at her life will really be helpful for all of us because we're called to do the very same thing. Would you like to hear more from Father Nathan? Join the St. John Leadership Network and receive a two-minute glance at the gospel every Sunday morning right to your phone. To learn more, go to www.stjohnleadershipnetwork.org member and join for free today. You know, the Virgin Mary is one of the, the figures in the Bible that is, of course, very controversial because many Christians feel like Catholics give her too much honor, right? And then, and then many Catholics feel like you, she, you could never give her too much honor, right? Because all the honor that Catholics give her, we give to the Creator and to the Redeemer who created and redeemed such an amazing person. But in any case, that controversy has kind of uh, led, led some people to be hesitant to really refer to her or see her in, in the light that the scriptures uh, present her as. I mean, in the simple truths that the scriptures say about her. And I'd like to unpack that with you just by saying, let's just begin by admiring this incredible woman. And by admiring her, I think what I want to do especially is draw your attention to the areas in her life where her inspirational life will end up helping us who are trying to unpack the power of Christian leadership to see in her life areas where we can learn about how to lead in our own. All right, so first, almost like drawing the map with you of the areas of Mary's life that I'd like to draw on for our own inspiration and our own edification, and then being able to go with you into each one of those to be able to unpack a lesson that we can learn from Mary about how to lead in our own world. And you know, there's just so much to talk about when you look at the life of Mary. It's, it would be easy to keep on, on going with it because there's people on the one hand will say, where's Mary in the Bible? And you just want to kind of chuckle. You're like, how about 15 times in the New Testament alone? 15 mentions. <laughs> I mean, she sings her Magnificat. She's there giving birth to the Savior of the world. I, there's just so many things to talk about. So it's more almost a question of like, what, what, you know, how do we fit it all in? 
I mean, let's just look at, at, at these map points. For example, the map of Mary's life. And this is where I see her providing leadership lessons for us. I mean, we begin just by being a little bit in awe over the trajectory of this woman's life. I mean, if you've ever been to the Holy Land, you, you recognize that the land of Israel is a land of limestone. It's limestone, which of course is very uh, carvable, soft stone. Water makes a big impression, leaving caves. Okay, so when you go to ancient Nazareth, you'll actually see that the house structures of most of the houses, if not all of the houses, of the time period of the Virgin Mary and St. Joseph were structures that were built into caves. Okay, so like some of the cave systems are pretty vast. If you go to Bethlehem, for example, which is further south than Nazareth, you, you'll actually see where our Lord was born in a cave. It's, it's a vast uh, kind of cave structure that could have housed many different people or many animals in the case of there where he was born. But for Nazareth and the average typical house there, they would have been made of, of stones, uh, an entrance that would kind of be built upon the body of the house being a simple room uh, which would l largely be furnished by a cave. So there'd be buildings that would be built on top of that or building that would be extended out from it. But it's a very rudimentary lifestyle to say the least. Now, I'm always careful when I talk about this because, you know, we kind of imagine biblical figures as being somehow really removed from the, the cares of our, of our everyday lifestyle in the modern world. But, and you got to be careful about, about that because actually they're, they're very much in tune with us. I mean, they're obviously there's all kinds of pressures that are on us that weren't on them, but the, the basics are still there. Love relationships, the drama of relationships gone awry, the effects of evil and sin and brokenness on them, the, the, the social exclusion that can befall someone who transgresses the social codes, uh, uh, drawing well, water at the well, needing to cook every day, having family meals, having a religion that binds you to a greater culture. I mean, if a lot of different things, arts. I mean, they, they were living in a land at the time that was being occupied by a foreign power. So you would have had, of course, those who were ready to fight that power, those who succumbed to that power, the drama of those who gave up on achieving anything in their life, along with those who wanted to find achievement in life. And it's very important not to make their antiquity, uh, make them too distant from you and me. Because even though there's many things that are different, there's also most of the things that are the same. I've been to Nazareth now twice and both times and to Galilee twice. And both times I've been, I've been touched by the beauty of the weather, uh, the sound of the birds that are singing there, the rustle of the water, the, the strength of the wind, and even the, the physical challenges that are there. I mean, Nazareth is on a hillside. There's, she would have had to go up and down constantly from her, from her cave, so to speak, to get, any, to get anywhere. It's perched on the, on the edge of the Valley of Armageddon. Uh, Mount Tabor is not that far away. She would have been able to look at Mount Tabor on a regular basis. She would have lived a very simple life, though, in an oppressed region of the country that was looked down upon as 
being the Galilee of the Gentiles, right? It was scorned by the Jews as being a place that was overrun by Gentiles and Gentile customs and therefore not possessing the purity of religion that the Jews in Jerusalem would have boasted of. Nazareth, in addition, is a very rural area. It would have been an agrarian society. Her husband was a builder working on building projects with his hands as a kind of common laborer of the time. I guess what I'm trying to say is that there was little from the beginnings of her life that would be able to foretell the incredible destiny that God wanted her to fulfill. When he chose someone in that situation without any formal education, without any official sanction from the Jewish people of her day, living in a far-flung region of the, the country that had been dominated and conquered by the Romans, after having been dominated and conquered by the Greeks, after having been dominated and conquered by so, so many different times, it's a constant battle for Israel that he would choose this person, a woman, a young maiden. I mean, so if, again, if you look at it in terms of lack of social status, Mary could check off every single box. She was young. She was female. She had no education from a poor area of the, of the country. And God chose her to play the greatest role any human being could, has ever been asked to play in the history of humanity. Namely, to conceive and give birth to the Son of God. And then, what's more, to rear that Son of God in all of the ways of man and bring him health and success so that he could then sacrifice himself at the cross while you stand there allowing your own soul to be pierced through as by a sword. So <laughs> it's just incredible. Mary participated and shared in the sufferings of her son on the cross and, and, and then allowed his great mission of founding the church and sending it forth in the world to become her own as her son gives her as the mother to all believers. I mean, it just really is an astounding trajectory. What did she have inside of her that would equip her for the absolutely incredible role she would play in human history? I want to I look at that because what an inspiration. What an inspiring life. This is be better than any Disney movie you could ever watch here, right? I mean, this is the stuff of fairy tales. And yet, yet it's not a fairy tale. It's the basis of our faith. What is God telling us? And what is he telling us for us to apply in our own lives? Would you like to start your Thursday mornings with a scriptural leadership lesson? Join the St. John Leadership Network, where Father Nathan hosts a 30-minute call at 6.30 a.m. in all four U.S. time zones. To learn more, go to www.stjohnleadershipnetwork.org slash member and join for free today. So one thing you can definitely say about the Virgin Mary is that her life is, is inspiring. I mean, she goes from, from being someone of very little social consequence to carrying the burden and responsibility of take birthing and taking care of the Messiah of all nations. <laughs> this is just really uh, an astounding trajectory of life. And what's inspiring is that what, what kind of woman was she to be able to play this role? I mean, all of you who are in leadership positions know that it's not so much your education that determines success. It's not so much your, your luck or your market strategy that, 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 that determines your success. 
The thing that determines your success more than anything else is your willingness to never quit. I mean, they did whole studies on this. Okay, you can read all these different articles in leadership magazines. Uh, It's the person that determines their trajectory of life, who they are, the character on the inside of somebody. We know this because when you have to hire people for important positions, you spend your time in the interview trying to get to know them, trying to get to understand who they are and how they operate. The other day I had a conversation with someone who is from venture capital, which is a really amazing scenario because like, I don't get a chance to talk to them very often. And he came in my office and he, and he sat down and, and he shared with me, I said, what is it that, 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 that determines whether or not you're going to invest in a company? And he smiled and he said, it all depends upon the founder. We look to see who the founder is because we know that whatever someone tries to pitch to us will not be the company that succeeds. It's going to change. So many things happen. So many curveballs are thrown in life that the original business plan really is of not of much consequence. What we're trying to understand is that this person that we're talking to, are they going to be the person who finds a way through whatever is going to be thrown at them in life? Right? They look to, in other words, for the strength of character to determine the feasibility of the investment. Now, this is really beautiful because then if you look at the same thing, doesn't God do the same to us? The actions that we do in our life, they flow from something inside of us. Now, namely, of course, his grace, which we recognize his gift that he gives us of his mercy to strengthen us from the inside and make us capable of doing things that we never thought were possible or that are even frankly impossible by the measures of the world. And yet at the same time, that grace spurs us into what we call virtue and it carries the Christian into an action that also builds up the truth of who we are. When you cooperate with grace, in other words, and you do things with God, you are built up in your, in your natural structure as well. You gain acquired virtues. So in other words, if you, if you, by God's grace, are honest for long enough, you'll become an honest person. You know, it won't just be his grace. His grace actually rehabilitates the human person, uh, by because it summons us in our freedom to say yes to what God is calling us to do. Well, that means that when we look at what Mary did in her life, which is extraordinary, I mean, again, birthing the Messiah, <laughs> this is kind of a big deal. And then giving birth, of course, to the Messiah without any help of man. It wasn't, this is, she's one of a kind. She knew she was a virgin. She knew she did not sleep with St. Joseph. And then she knew she was pregnant by the overshadowing of the Holy Spirit. And she didn't run away. She didn't flinch. She didn't say, I won't. She accepted an extraordinary situation. She was unable to ask anyone for advice. Just think about that. What am I supposed to do? Nobody knows. I mean, and then she, what am I supposed to do the rest of my life with this child? He's going to lead me to the cross. I mean, she goes to the temple to dedicate the child to God. And Simeon comes out and says, a sword is going to pierce through your soul. This child is destined to be spoken against a sign of contradiction. And Mary's like, okay, no, no problem, right? Like many of us, imagine if God said that to you, your business is going to be, is going to cause you so much heartache. You, you, the changes that you're making are going to suck the life out of you. 
right? I mean, would you do it? God said to do something like adopt another child, work with the handicapped in the world. God wants you to take a stance that's deliberately Christian in your business. And you look around, you calculate, well, are we going to get sued? Are we going to, you know, what's going to happen to my workers? And you, and you wonder, gosh, is it worth the pain? Well, here's the Virgin Mary being told that a sword's going to pierce through her heart, that her son is going to be destined for the rise and the downfall of many in Israel. She goes on to watch as her son offers his own flesh for the life of the world on the cross. And she stands there underneath it, offering him to God with him. <laughs> this, she's not an extraordinary person. I would say she is. In other words, when you look at what God asked Mary to do, you, you, you almost have to concomitantly peer into her soul to look to see who Mary was. What he asked her to do came from what he did inside of her. And the inspirational things, I mean, of, of, of being the mother of the church, taking the apostles under her wing. We see that in Acts of the Apostles where they all gather with Mary in prayer. I mean, what an act to assert herself, so to speak, and to assume her role as truly having a position of authority, even with respect to the 12 apostles themselves. I mean, it's, it, who, who could do that? Mary did it. Who was she? What she did is inspiring. But who she was, ah, it's breathtaking to even to consider it. In the same way that, I, that, I, that we love to read the lives of great men and women in history and, and, then, and see and study how wonderful they, their inside were, their heart, their determination, the grit, right, that they, that they typified in their activities coming from this greatness of soul inside of them. Well, I mean, when we look at Mary, she talks about her soul. She talks about her inside. You know what she says? She says, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. St. <laughs> Paul will later on take that same theme up and he'll say, Christians, rejoicing in the Lord must be your strength. And so if Mary says she rejoices in the Lord, she's referring to the fact that she has a strength inside of her that's going to impel her forth to do what God told her to do no matter what. And she braves the, the, the same fears that the apostle caused the apostles to lock their doors in the upper room so as to save their life. Mary's with them, braving the same fears, risking her life literally for the love that she has for Christ. I wish that we were all more like her. I think that if we were more like Mary, we'd be more driven and dynamic and gritty when it comes to our own leadership. That's exactly what I think God wants us to become. And so let's look at her in the next part of this series. I want to develop this with you and study her life as an example for us who are leading today. Dare great things for Christ. Share your feedback with Father Nathan. Send us an email at communications at stjohninstitute.org. That's communications at stjohninstitute.org. And visit www.stjohninstitute.org and sign up for our newsletter to receive updates from Father Nathan.